a time bomb Just waiting to explode The world is ending Most of people don't even know my friends batten down the hatches. It is time. We are about to enter free agency in both the NBA and the NHL. And Philadelphia's only 7 for 7 podcast is back at you with all of the news, the notes, and the latest things. I'm Russ Joy at Joy Ambrod, joined as always by Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. And before we get into today's episode, I just want to point out really quickly, and this is a, this is a, a labor of love today. You can find this show and all of the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network now on a plethora of platforms. Oh, of course, we're available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher. But now we have a few other ones. We're also now available on CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Whew. All right, that's it. Kevin, hello. Speaking of platforms, did any of the candidates on stage tonight actually give any of their platforms? I don't know. Or did I, they uh, just say a bunch of shit? I caught a couple minutes, and then I realized that Bernie's not there. Buttigieg <sighs> is not there. <laughs> Biden is not there. Oh, what the so hell? So I'm like, uh, wh- I don't need we to could listen be to watching. It. We it's could like- be watching the Gold Cup right now. We could be watching the Democrat debate right now, doing our civic duty. And we did learning, just watch- Learning about the candidates. We could be doing that, but instead we're here doing uh, Philadelphia's only seven for seven sports podcast you know and in fairness we waited to uh to record this until we got done watching your team your town your philadelphia union yeah play a come really back. boring game i didn't see the first half but the second half was uh it was it was the el Senio, <laughs> the el Senio thing i also love the fact and i know people don't care about the union so like we'll just kind of hold off on this but like the uh the moment that fafa pico actually made one good play and then got so arrogant so cocky and tried to make every other play from that point forward including dribbling the ball off his own feet out of bounds. Oh, so union. By the anyway. way, I want everybody I just want everybody to know that I didn't say Democrats specifically. I said candidates because I um I hate all all politicians <laughs> equally. So I don't want anybody to like think that I'm like some Republican or some like this or that or whatever. I'm not really anything. I hate all of I I despise all of them equally because I don't think they actually really give a shit about you or me or America. I think they just care about themselves. And the lobbyists. That's why I support Kincaid Kaidel, uh, 2020. Yeah, Kincaid Kaidel, we were joking about in Slack chat. We put our platform together. It was like four bullet points, I think. What was it? It was like... It was like, don't be a dick. Don't be a dickhead. Pay your taxes. Don't break the law. And like... Don't tell me how like, to live my life. Help something your neighbor like or something. Yeah, oh yeah, help your neighbor. Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. There you go. Um, oh, that was the wrong so, one. I got so, butter fingered that drop. Uh, well, that's okay. So I, I mentioned uh, I mentioned an unforced error, and I think it's it's probably important that we start off with uh, with something that some some people might consider to be an unforced error, um, and and that is the rumor coming out now that Jimmy Butler might be trying to force his way to the Houston Rockets to team up with uh, Chris Paul and James Harden, who not even a week ago the news broke that there's real dysfunction not only between. GM Daryl Morey and head coach Mike D'Antoni, but also between the uh, the two starting guards in the backcourt. Now wait, and, where are you getting where are you getting this inkling that Butler is trying to force this? Well, what's your interpretation that he's trying to force it? So I, I think that if let me because the this reports up. from Woj were just that like that the Rockets the Rockets, the are, Rockets are pushing for it. Jimmy Butler has every ability to kind of squash this right. 
I don't expect him to go out of his way to do so. If it's for a team that has the the cap flexibility right now to go out and offer him a deal of some kind, if that's the Lakers, if that's the Clippers, the Nets, the Knicks. But when it's something like Houston, where the team flat out can't afford him, you would think that like there would be a counter narrative coming out, that there would be some kind of of maneuvering, some kind of posturing from Butler's camp that would just kind of hint to the fact that like he's not interested in going there. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the fact that it's continued to get legs, and it, and it sounds like, I think it was Shams came out uh, over the last day and mentioned it. I think Woj had mentioned the possibility. Um, it, it just feels like if there weren't any kind of uh, of real motivation behind it or any truth behind it, that it would have gotten squashed by now. And I think the fact that it hasn't is a little bit telling in the situation. So maybe I misspoke a bit. But I, I do think that there has to be some kind of legs to it, well, and, Jimmy and it's would. worth it's worth looking at. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy. I think everybody knows. You know, Jimmy would be taking less money if he agreed to that. You know, because yes. he would be opting in to God. What is it? What was his player option this year? Nineteen point one million or so, nineteen million or something like that. Um, I believe so. Yeah. And then he could sign. You know, he can he can sign five years, one ninety with Philly, um, yep. which would take him to age thirty four. You know, with the Rockets, he could sign. Um, you know, what is it like four? I think it's four years, one forty. You know, so do you want? That's eh, home. That's home for him. You know, because he grew up in uh, the Houston suburbs. Um, you know, so he can make the most money with Philly. That takes him to age thirty-four. You know, if he signs a four-year with somebody, it takes him to age thirty-three. He's probably not getting much of a contract at age thirty-three. You know, um, so Woj mentioned that Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, and PJ Tucker would be the other. The guys that they're kind of, you know, putting into the mixer here, you know, to to be possible trade bait to go back uh, to the Sixers or to a third team if a third team came in to make it work, which is probably and it which sounds, is what it would have had it, to be. And it sounds like everybody's favorite possibility to throw out there is the idea of Brooklyn perhaps being the third team taking on Clint Capella's salary. He's making, I believe, roughly eighteen million per year over the next four years yeah, as part of a five year range, it was yeah. like a, it was like a five-year 90 million dollar deal that he signed last mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. but you have to remember because there were people that initially i think had liked the idea of capella bring, being brought into philly as a backup center to joel and bead perhaps playing the four but you have to remember that we've now seen in consecutive seasons clint capella get played off the the uh the floor in the in the postseason mm-hmm. he just doesn't have range i mean he's he's a good rim running and a good rim protecting center but he's not much outside of that. And unless he's able to extend his range, he's not a guy that you can play alongside of Joel Embiid. So right. there's not really a fit there. And if, if the Sixers are trying to maintain some kind of cap flexibility, it wouldn't make sense to eat up that much of the uh, the salary that you would be getting rid of in, in Butler's case. Well, Tucker is on the books for $8 million and, and Gordon's on the books for, for, 14, for about $14 million. Gordon has just this year left on his deal. Tucker's got this year and next year at about an $8.3 million cap hit. They're both they're both players that I think would fit schematically with what the Sixers do and probably give you better depth than you would get from just Jimmy Butler alone. But I'd almost like to see Butler go to Houston just for the chaos that would ensue. Like if Chris Paul was pissed off that James like, Harden would he was there? trying to play like this five out ISO ball and and Chris Paul was pissed that he wasn't getting the ball enough. Like I don't know what Jimmy thinks is going to happen. That's like a sure, a lot of pick slow, and roll, but like a lot of slow standing around, you know, and f- ISO pick and roll stuff. I mean, it'd probably be like the most boring team. I mean, I get it. If 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 Jimmy likes the idea, like if if there's a thought that Kawhi goes back to Toronto, and now that like Golden State is practically out of the the picture for next season, you would presume unless you know Clay is able to get healthy in February or March 
and kind of get back up to full speed or whatever that is after an ACL tear by the postseason. Like, I, I get it. You want to try to, you know, take advantage while while the going is uh, a little bit easier. But, like, the Lakers look poised to try to add to Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and I get that the team is still really, you know, thin, but they're going to be able to go out and get some, some vets. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how that exactly works for Butler and, and why that would be so attractive. But my man's down in, what, Brazil, hanging with Neymar, wearing PSG crap. So, like, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. So let's Maybe that's do, all you need to know. Let's do an exercise because we always like to do an exercise on the program, the crossing broadcast program, uh, and try to like advance the story here. And like, th- think about what a Sixers team would look like if they did something like this, right? So you'd have Ben Simmons at the point. Yeah. Um, you bring in JJ Redick back. I don't know. You playing are we, Eric are we Gordon assuming- at the two? Um, I- I letting, can see it. Letting JJ walk, and then you're playing. So, like, assume Jimmy Butler's not here. Would you have Tobias back? Would you? Would you run Embiid, Simmons, Gordon, Harris, PJ Tucker? I don't think that would be a bad lineup. It wouldn't. I just you're a little shorter. You know, you're not as big as you were last year, which was actually a, a huge positive for them. And I think a lot of people didn't really realize. Um, does Tobias Harris? come up and defend threes. Um, I think we're missing we're missing part of this. Our favorite Reddit thread. Oh, I Our didn't favorite read, Reddit thread. I didn't read that. I saw you guys talking about it in so Slack. So there's uh, I, you know, there, I don't there fuck was a Reddit, there's Reddit there's thing. a Reddit thread that was going around that the the rumored 4-year 112 million dollar offer that had been made uh, reportedly to Al Horford belongs to the Sixers because if the Sixers were to renounce all of their cap holds bring back guys at, at what would be an acceptable salary and um, and pass up on re-signing Tobias Harris but signing Jimmy Butler to a max deal, they would have the exact cap money uh, to sign him to that four-year $112 million deal. I mean, down down to a T. I like Tobias Harris, man. I don't know why people are, are down on Tobias Harris. I mean, I, he wasn't as great as he could have been, I'm sure, but people always get this thing where they're like, they value everything that they don't have. I mean, think about if Tobias Harris was not had not come to the Sixers and he had finished his season with the Clippers, we would be sitting here, you know, foaming at the mouth over a 26-year-old stretch four who was a borderline all-star last year. Borderline all-star playing with the Clippers when he was shooting like 42% from three uh, before he came over in the trade and before he fell off a little bit. I don't know We'd why people are down. I don't know why people are down on him because I'm like, I think people forget what's right in front of their face and say, Tobias with the full offseason with this team, with some continuity, with some understanding of the system, you know, to get settled over here. I mean, when the, when guys come over in, at that late in the season, I mean, it's just hard to find your feet, dude, especially when you're coming to a team that's got a lot of expectations. You're playing a different system, different offense. The defensive assignments are different. Um, I'm, I'm high on Tobias. I'm probably higher on Tobias than more people are. I, I might be one of the few people that's actually more interested in having Tobias back than Jimmy. Look at you. Here's the thing, like I think people would be really excited about Tobias as a free agent if you were still playing for the Clippers because you would have your affordable JJ Redick replacement and Landry Shamit. You would still have that yeah. Miami you yeah. would still have that Miami pick. Like you would still have some of those assets that you gave up in that deal. And I think the reason that people are are on the fence about it is because Tobias Harris has never really been a winning player on a winning team. 
He's always been a guy that's been able to put up solid numbers on bad teams. I mean, you can even go back to when he was playing in Detroit. Bad team, good numbers. You go to the Clippers. Yeah, bad, yeah. you know, bad, bad to to middle of the road team in that Western Conference. Now, granted, they did end up making but the playoffs. I still think he remember, has a they, step to take. I still think I still think there's more. There's more. Maybe he does. There. Yeah. I, I think the the more intriguing part of this would be if Jimmy does leave. If the idea here is that Jimmy does force his way to Houston. I think that actually does make Tobias a more attractive player, not because you lost one of the two guys that you had hoped to hashtag run it back with, but I think that then elevates Tobias to being that third option or maybe even that second shooting option yeah. where Jimmy takes so much of the offense, right? Like so much of it has to run through Joel by, you know, just by nature. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy takes, takes so many shots or there's so many ISO moments to get Jimmy in, in the best position for him to do what he does and, and do it successfully. I wonder if the situation is more attractive to Tobias if Jimmy moves on. Well, and let if me, the Sixers are more interested just, you know, from that perspective that yeah. like they can now increase the amount of shots that Tobias takes and by having guys like Gordon and Tucker around him, you've now increased the shooting capabilities of many lineups that you'd roll out there more so than what he had last year where he was really the best shooter on the floor for extended stretches. All right, let me um let's do an, another exercise here. And this is going to be not really rapid fire, but kind of rapid fire. I'm going to throw um, a bunch of different scenarios at you, like plan A, plan B, plan C. And I want you to tell me what you would do in each of these specific situations. Okay. Not like these don't have to be super short answers, but I don't want it to be long answers because I want it to be like a free flowing thing. Okay. Um, Scenario one, Jimmy Butler comes back. Tobias Harris comes back. They run it back. What's your next move uh, to add to that team? Cap wise, I don't think there's much that you can do, right? I think they lose one of their mid levels. Uh, I, I, I don't know. So how are you filling out the back end of that roster? You've got Thibel, you got Zaire Smith, you got Jonah Bolden. You try to get James Ennis to come back. Shake for something Milton, James for, Ennis, for somewhere around that one point six. This is part of the problem. We haven't done a show since the draft, but like this is part of the problem with them doing what we they can did. Talk in the draft. about that a little bit too later. Yeah. Um, and I and I think this is where things get a little bit more complicated. If if you bring back both Jimmy and Tobias because you're so strapped in what you are able to do in free agency, it would be nice to have a you know a second round pick, perhaps mm-hmm. number thirty four or number thirty three available that you could have had a, a cheap guy. Um, well, I let's, think, fin- let's finish the exercise, and then we'll come back ahead, to the draft. Go, go, to, go to B and C. Plan B, Tobias comes back. Jimmy does not come back. Is that part of the sign-in trade? Well, um, no, let's just say Jimmy walks. Jimmy walks. He goes to L.A. or to Brooklyn or to New York. But Tobias comes back. How are you using Jimmy's cap space? Uh, I'd, I'd make a full court press to go after like a Malcolm Brogdon. If that's not something that you're able to do, then I, I guess you start to look at guys like Patrick Beverly. I think he's going to end up costing you close to like 10, 10, 11 million. Yeah. I don't think he's worth it, but, but I, I get why you would try to go after somebody like that. Plan C, um, Jimmy comes back, but Tobias walks. That's a weird scenario. Um, it, in that case, like, I, I wonder if that's where you start to try to make the push for Horford. As a I know that they're four, having played a yeah, and, but he's and old, this is man. the thing. That's the only thing with, with I, Horford. I get that he's old, but his game translates pretty well. This is the thing that I think people need to kind of keep in mind. Um, we saw with Toronto, we saw even with the Sixers that in the in the postseason, and we talked about this as the Sixers were getting ready for the postseason. The bench doesn't matter. 
you effectively can go down to seven, eight, at most nine guys in a rotation. Mm-hmm. If you've got a guy like Al Horford who can play the four and the five, right? We're thinking about preservation of Joel Embiid. Uh, if I, I get that he's not young, I, I totally understand it. I get that he's got decent mileage on him, but there's that relationship from three years that he and Elton Brand were together in Atlanta. I wonder if that factors into this. I think what Al Horford brings to your team as a leader and as a winning player, I wonder if there's part of that. He's a good passer from the post. He's extended his range. He's a reliable three-point shooter. He's got decent range. He, he makes right the right plays. He makes good passes out of you know multiple scenarios and spots on the floor. I wouldn't be so opposed to this and i know that people like kind of get up in arms and i I think it was like Aton shander had put out on twitter you know where are people getting the idea that horford over tobias is a good option if if this team is still going to be built around joel Embiid and and this offense running through the post where they're like one of what two maybe three teams in the entire league that run their offense through a traditional center then you need to have somebody that can fill that role when Embiid doesn't play either due to injury or due to load management Horford's that guy, and Horford, by virtue of the way that he was able to play with like Aaron Baines over the last few years when mm-hmm. Baines was playing the five, mm-hmm. Horford can definitely play the four. I wouldn't be so, you know, opposed to the idea. I get that it's going to be a bad situation, you know, year three, maybe year four of that deal, but you also have to keep in mind that because of the way that he plays, his game translates pretty well into his later 30s. Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, who people want to go and give a five-year 190 extension to his game isn't necessarily going to translate well in year three four five of that deal so to me it's kind of a it's kind of a double standard to hold that against al horford but to kind of just go into it blindly with jimmy butler plan c uh jimmy butler and tobias harris both walk and you're sort of standing there just saying what now uh, <laughs> well, I think at that point it's time to sell the team. Uh, well, let me no, ask. I, well, let me, let me ask you this then. Um, I'm just going to name a bunch of guys. Yes or no? Do they do anything for you? Okay. Kemba Walker. I don't know how he plays with Ben. Chris Middleton. Depends on what your interest in Brogdon is and what the RFA market for Brogdon looks like. Danny, because I don't I don't think Milwaukee can sign both. Danny Green. I do like Danny Green. Terrence Ross. As a sixth man, sure. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Iffy. Patrick Beverly. Like Beverly, but he's getting old. Jeremy Lamb. Uh, n- uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's really It gets really iffy once you get beyond there. I like Patrick Beverly, see- man. You could put him at the two. Um, and have and have him just guard the opposing team's point guard. Um, Patrick Beverly can knock down a three, you know. Um, I mean, if you bring him in, then though you can't have JJ Redick back necessarily unless he wants to come back cheap and play off the bench. Um, and even then, I don't know who's playing small forward, who's playing power, Dude, JJ, power forward. You know, JJ owes this team for that first contract he signed here. He does owe. Uh, I mean, a hometown, I mean, honestly, a like, discount he, if he could. He sure does. Like, I mean, my dude could go to Brooklyn and, like, go play with Kyrie and believe the earth is flat or whatever. But, like, for the love of God, like, come on, man. So my thing with the draft. Let's be real. And I was sitting there in the draft room with everybody else, and I wasn't getting as worked up about it as everybody else. Number one, because I'm, like, I'm on the the beat. I'm not supposed to get worked up or not worked up. I'm just supposed to do it, right? Can you um, set up what this looks like, by the way? Set up what what looks like. when, when, When you say that you're in the room. 
You're not in like the war room. No, no. What they do is you go into the Sixers facility and like the area where they do the press conferences with Elton Brand and Josh Harrison, whoever. It's like up the stairs in the facility. There's a bunch of tables there for the media. There's food and whatnot. And they put the draft on the TV screens, right? So you watch a draft. Um, you know, you see what happens. And um, then after it's all done, they bring out Elton Brand to talk, bring out whoever's there to talk. And then you get Matisse Thibel, um, the draft picks. We didn't get Shayok, but we got um, Matisse Thibel on a conference call that night. Um, so I think everybody was like, what the hell are they doing? What the fuck, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it's one thing to tip your hand to Boston and they sniff out your interest in Thibel and you got to give up another, you got to give up a pick to get up to 20 to do it. Okay, whatever. It happens, you know. It's no, it's to me, it wasn't a big deal that they lost 33 or 34 if they had used that other pick on somebody. You know, if they had picked. Thibel at 20, then they stood there at 34, and they took, like, um, I don't know, well, like Bru- Schofield took, or somebody took, like that. They took Bruno Fernando originally. Bruno Fernando, if they kept that pick, you know. And then they went for, then then they used, like, the originally they had, what, 57? If they used 57 on somebody, right? So I, if they sure. if they had went into that with five picks and come out with three guys, uh, that would be fine. I don't, I think they, I think what's confusing is that, you, it's such a herky-jerky move from a guy like Sam Hinkie who just absolutely murdered the margins and found value in the margins and really explored that and looked to, to find value wherever he could to go to somebody like Elton Brand or the Brian Colangelo leftovers who don't value that at all. You know, um, To me, there's never anything wrong with exploring that or trying to find um, conditional value in, in the, the smallest of margins. You know, these second-round draft picks don't cost you anything. You know, I mean, you're not like on the hook for anything. So I don't know what the hell the deal was when they're saying, well, we don't need a bunch of young players. That's okay. You have a G League team. You know, you have two-way contracts. Um, I understood their reasoning and I understood what they were trying to say. Like, yes, you're looking for people who fit on a timeline to win now. You need veterans. You need guys who are going to be able to, to get you over the hump. But like most teams are capable of building their youth and, you know, loading up the system at the same time as they're winning with guys like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and maybe Tobias Harris and, and uh, Jimmy Butler. You know, when the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Francisco Giants were winning um, World Series, you know, they just kept re- reloading with guys you never fucking heard of. You know, it wasn't like, yeah. well, we blew our load. Now we're – I'm sorry, well, the Spurs, It wasn't like, well, we yeah, blew our shot. Now like, well, all our guys are done, you know. So. Yeah, well, the Spurs were the same way, right? Like th- – this idea of selling off second round picks, like one of my favorite things is around the draft, and it's it's any sports draft, is when you start getting the later rounds, and like the the NBA second round is is hit or miss, and we saw this real trend to, um, you know, it's a lot of top scouting agencies saying that the best sixty players were not taken in mm-hmm. this draft, mm-hmm. right? Like there were a lot of guys who, as it got later into the second round, weren't willing to take a two way contract, and so they went undrafted, right? Um, it's funny to me to watch people get so irate about teams not wanting to draft a guy and, and people who have never watched film on any of these guys in the mid to late second round getting upset <laughs> when a team passes over. No, I know. Now, I, know. But, but now you, I think, but I, I think in the case of like the Sixers going into this with 20, what was it? 24, 33, 34 for them to come out of that with one player. 42, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For them to come out with one player is highly upsetting. And I think it's more because, like, the the picks that you had available to you so early in the second round, one of those guys, I mean, you're you're talking about push this back two, three picks, and it's, it's what, the last pick of the first round, right? Like, it's, it's such an arbitrary number. Like, the talent doesn't fall off that much 
from 30 to 35. Correct. And the fact that and the fact that you're not able to bring in anybody at that spot and have them as somebody to like to even learn from your vets or to learn the system. That to me is upsetting. I get the idea of not wanting to have too many young players, but like for a team that was was so <laughs> inept once they got past the eighth guy in the rotation, like I, I'm sorry, but I, f- I find it really hard to to buy well, into and, this idea that like you're gonna you're gonna go out and what try to sign vets to the minimum. Well, and to come uh, in like that's year, that's swell and everything, but like develop some. No, youth. I know, yeah, because then what happens when you when this run is over and like if it doesn't end in a title, then what? Like you don't have you have it, it ends with like on the, anything on the back end. You don't you don't like the best teams in the Joel world breaks the navicular bone and Ben Simmons goes off to L. A. Yeah, and all and of a sudden you have nothing, got nothing else. In you the have, pipeline you have you, Zaire and, and Matisse. Yeah, like that's it literally it. costs you nothing to explore the margins here. I mean, even even going back to last year, if you go back to thirty three and thirty two. Uh, 33, pick 33 was Jalen Brunson. He played like 70-some games for the Mavs last year. I think he scored like nine points per game, something like that. Um, pick 34 was uh, De- Devontae Graham from Kansas. Um, I, I mean, he was sort of, a, he was just a backup for the Hornets, I think. You know, he only played like 40-some games. Most of them came off the bench. But, I mean, those are the kinds of the like college seniors who, uh, you know, have experience and, uh, you know, fit your timeline. I don't know why you wouldn't take a swing on them. I know they got some future picks out of uh, – out of that move, and I know they had to attach the forty second to Jonathan Simmons to move him. I mean, the Markel Fultz thing is the the gift that keeps on giving. They but, had, but had but to. I, and I'm not one of these people who sits here and like wants to do revisionist draft history all the time and say that uh, the Brian Colangelo turned this pick into blah 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 and blah 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 blah. But it's true. I mean, like it's it's you know two weeks of Trevor Booker was cost you how much you know so. I don't. I think. I think the thing more than anything. I'm not going to sit here and like lose my my cookies over, uh, you know, second round, not taking some second round draft picks. But at the same time, it literally costs you nothing to kind of take a swing on those and see if you can hit on a couple of them. You know, I mean, you can go back over the years and you know find success stories of dudes who are plucked out of the second round. One of them just won a won a championship. You know, Marcus All. So. Yeah, and it's like, listen, the, and a lot of these these deals for second round players, they're they're non guaranteed. You know what I think is well, funny? Well, that's what though? I'm saying. Yeah, you're, when, it's non guaranteed, you so they're not well, they're not doing anything to their cap by. I I love the idea. Like when people were getting so pissed off on draft night, um, saying that you know the Sixers ownership is cheap, and that's why they ended up you know getting rid of uh, Jonathan Simmons with number forty two instead of just stretching him to be what was it three hundred. 300,000 333,000 over the next 3 years. Yeah. Everybody's like everybody's like so mad. Oh, they're they're trying to save money against the luxury tax. Well, yeah, wh- why are they going to try to save money against the luxury tax? Because they're willing to go out and spend to the luxury tax. Like you can't you can't fault an ownership for wanting to cut a couple corners on yeah, things like yeah. that when they're going to go and drop the the most money they well, they've ever dropped like, in the history for of the like franchise Dietrich to come out and say like well it's corporate greed and blah 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 I'm like do you, you know I mean that's a bit of I'm not it's here a for bit, it. it's a, I don't care a bit of a str- <laughs> we're being a little like it's, it's, we're being it's a little dramatic here but it's just, by the way don't you think it's funny like this here's the, the thing corporate greed. I I thought it was so funny that like when when you get down this draft right people were were so mad that the Sixers front office did a lot of what the Brian Colangelo front office did in selling off second round picks. It's almost mm. as if you keep most of the guys who worked under Brian Colangelo, remove Brian Colangelo, and kept the rest of the squad. It's almost as if people were surprised that things stayed the same. Yeah. 
Well, but nobody, yeah, but like nobody seemed to like kind of wrap their their mind around it. Just because Elton Brand is now like the face of the collective, this like, also, like this shady cabal. Like, Hinky Hinky had a different task, you know. The the Hinky proved himself to be very good at tearing 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 it down and finding value in the margins and um, you know taking advantage of some teams that were you know in a win now kind of mode or who were you know dumb and made dumb moves. You know, I mean Elton, Elton Brand, you know, Brian Colangelo's task was to start building it back up. Uh, Elton Brand's task is to get it over the finish line. Uh, I don't know if one is necessarily harder than the other. The strategies are certainly different. There's no guarantee that Sam Hinkie, if he was still here, would have been able to put the puzzle pieces together to get them to where they are. Like there's, you know, it's just it, it is what it is with that a little bit, you know. And this, when all the Colangelo shit happened, you you knew you're putting an inexperienced guy in there. Um, and Elton Brand, he went for it last year with a couple of aggressive moves, and they're going to try to go for it in free agency this year. If anything, they just they just didn't do themselves any favors. You know what I mean? It's like why would you why would you yep. keep more pressure on yourself by by indicating to everybody that look, it's free agency or bust for us? You know, because because yep. now when you if you don't hit on Plan A or Plan B, Plan C, it's what the fuck, you know. So yep. um, anyway, do you want to um, where do you want to go next? Do you want to get it back to the Eagles? Uh, yeah, let's go back to the Eagles. Yeah, All right, so we're going to talk about this Andy Reid uh, nonsense here. Yeah, we're not actually going to talk about the Eagles. Let's go talk about the uh, most successful long-term coach of the Philadelphia Eagles in their history, and that, of course, is Andy Reid. So I'm sure uh, everybody's probably familiar with what's going on here with the uh, sports radio host in Kansas City uh, who decided to draw a parallel uh, between Tyreek Hill's ongoing legal issues and Andy Reid's uh, personal family problems with his uh, sons. Uh, so this guy Kevin Keatsman, Keitsman, is it? I, I forget. How, I don't know how you say his last name. Keitsman. Um, uh, he kind of like he, he went on to. Uh, oh, actually, I have it right here in front of me. I'll read it. Uh, a quote: Andy Reid does not have a great record of fixing players. He doesn't. Uh, discipline is not his thing. It did not work out particularly well in his family life, and that needs to be added to this as we're talking about the Chiefs. He wasn't real great at that either. He's had a lot of things go bad on him, family and players. He is not good at fixing people. He is not good at discipline. That is not his strength. His strength is designing football plays. Mm. Mm. So what happened was homeboy got ripped into the high heavens. Because uh, people kind of as, auto- as he probably should. Uh, yeah, I mean, people automatically made the connection here that he was he was talking about uh, Garrett Reed or referencing Garrett Reed, who uh, Andy's oldest son, I think he was his oldest son, right, who died of a um, of a heroin overdose back in 2012. Uh, Andy took a leave of absence from the. T- oh no, he took the leave of absence in 2007, actually first, um, because Garrett and Britt uh, ended up going to jail. Uh, because they were convicted, I guess they found they were selling drugs out of the house, out of Andy's house in Villanova. So this was something that had been going on for years before that. Um, but yeah, so awful announcing did the story. The radio host Keatsman Kitesman, whatever the fuck his name is, c- comes out and says, "Whoa, I wasn't talking about Garrett Reed. I wasn't talking about the heroin overdose at all. I was talking about the fact that he hired his sons to work for him." Uh, and that's true. Britt Reed is currently a coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I don't know if people really even knew that. He's like a linebacker's coach no for them idea. or something like that. Yeah, and Spencer, his other son, I don't know if he works for the Chiefs, but the three of those kids are all involved in the like Eagles training camp. I think that he had him working as ball boys and stuff like that way back in the day. Well, and of course, who could forget his other son that he hired, Juan Castillo, to be the uh, defensive God, I wish I, had a, I wish I had a drop ready for that. Yeah. Um. So, like, my, my take was like – and then, and then I'm sorry. The guy got suspended. I'll finish the story. The radio host got suspended. He offers an apology, and in 2019, of course, nobody accepts your apology anyway. 
Um, you know, so now he's getting dragged on Twitter. Everybody wants him to, to be fired. Uh, he's the sports director at the station, and he's also an investor. I guess he's a part. I guess he's got a stake in the company or something like that. Oh, boy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, when I listened to him say it the first time, I, I didn't think it was, like, said with any kind of malice. Uh, I don't think it was like delivered in a horribly offensive way. I mean, I think he like it was appropriately serious in the tone that he was describing this. But I think like the thing that I was writing on the website and like my theme was that, like, dude, you just like just family's off limits, you know? Yep. Like, don't don't even go down that road because because one of the problems with it is whether it's justified or not. I mean, maybe Andy Reid wasn't inv- as involved in his son's lives as he could have been or as he should have been. And maybe if he was around more instead of spending more time at Novacare, who knows how his kids would have turned out. But I'm never, I'm never, I am never going to be able to quantify or qualify how much of his involvement would have changed anything. You know what I mean? Like I, I can just never attribute that, you know? So it's like yep. a dead end. It's a dead end road going, going down that anyway, because I can never say how much Andy was with his kids, how much he wasn't, how much he should have been, you know, like how could you ever like make your point with that? You know? Um, it's a zero sum game and it's something that you just It is a do. zero sum game. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um and then uh, the interesting thing to me was that Awful Announcing came back and said um today that they were um because th- they because they they were one of the people who made the immediate connection said oh this guy's talking about Garrett Reed that's talking about the heroin overdose, you know. And so Awful Announcing wrote today, quote, our initial piece was too uh declarative 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 uh, declarative. declarative that Keitzman was uh, referencing Garrett Reed's death, which he says he wasn't. Uh, and we're not in his head examining his motivation, but we, we certainly weren't the only listener and outlet to make that connection. And our criticism of his comments uh, stands. So, I mean, I get it. I, I think there's a little bit, of course, uh, this day and age, everybody jumps on everybody. And if you say something wrong, you're automatically fired and you're the scum of the earth and you're the worst person out there. I think there's some overreaction with that. Uh, I think there was some underreaction from the radio host, not really understanding the severity of like kind of what he said. But I mean, I'm in the camp of like, look, the guy fucked up. Take him off the air for a little bit, suspend him without pay, see what happens. And if sponsors go, if people are still pissed off, I mean, you talk about it internally, see where the guy's at. I don't know if this radio host has said stuff before. I don't know if he's got a history of saying stuff. I don't know if it, if this is strike one. If it's strike two, if it's strike three, like philosophically, I'm I'm not for firing people after strike one, but if it's two or three or four or something, like I could get it, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on. This got a little bit heavy. Uh, la 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 la. Do you want to do your town, your team, your Flyers, your Philadelphia Flyers? Uh, Flyers schedule came out, and it's not good. Uh, <laughs> there are what seventeen back to backs that happened this mm-hmm. season. That was up they only three. Th- that was an increase of three from last year. Sounds about yeah. right. Um, the the one positive is they only have three games with the ten o'clock start, so that's not so bad. Um, overall, the Flyers at this point they had a, a I would say a decent draft. Um, the probably the the one thing that I think had people the most upset was their first round pick. It wasn't that Cam York is not a good um, defenseman. It's it's more that Cole Caulfield had fallen to where they were drafting. They traded back, which kind of made it feel like you were going to get that extra asset and then uh, and then draft Caulfield at, at 14. But when they went and they got York, it kind of felt it felt underwhelming for a lot of Flyers fans. But then you kind of go back over it and you think about it for a second and it's like, well, now that most of you know the Sandheims of the world, the Phil Myers of the world, 
are now up at the NHL level, there there really aren't that many defensive prospects left, so they kind of had to fill the cupboard there. They did a better job. Fletcher and uh, Flair made uh, some solid picks in the mid to late rounds, and it looks like the team as as a whole came away from the draft weekend pretty well off. Um, the issue I have, I don't remember if we recorded since Kevin Hayes signed, but them going seven seven point one four like seven point one four million dollars annual value over seven years is absolute insanity and desperation. And it was something that like Anthony and I had talked about on Snow the Goalie. We we recorded and then like an hour later they made the uh the signing official. But for a guy who's only had like one fifty one point season, season where, ever yep. and one twenty goal season. And it's funny when I was doing the story yep. and I know nothing about ice hockey as you well know. Um, ice hockey, not field hockey. Ice hockey, not, roller not hockey. field hockey, yeah. not tonsil hockey. Whoa, hey now. Like you look at the dudes who were like around him in that like salary range and it was like uh O'Reilly <laughs> who just won the Stanley Cup. Uh who else is in there? Kuznetsov. Um Here's Berge, the thing, though, Bergeron that, was like right at like seven point two or something. It's not the most fair comparison though. This is almost like it's not quite to the to the uh twenty sixteen NBA offseason where like Alan Crabb got a ridiculous deal because like the, DUI, the salary so. cap had had that had that like giant boom right yeah, 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 like yeah. cj sapong um <laughs> so that was a little little, de- little de- yeah. right thing there. Uh, uh-oh yeah. um here's the thing though like kevin hayes is like a, he, he's a, a solid two-way center but he's not worth seven seven plus million over seven no, i know and, and people kinda, like in general it's everybody desperate, it's but, not it's not everybody's like well you know people some people are up my ass because they were like well it's you know everybody gets overpaid in free agency i, I, I get Which it is i mean true. it happens in every in every sport yeah i mean you overpay for i just don't agents, know if i genuinely the flyers don't know if that's what he would have gotten a little bit more than other people you know i don't know i think that i just i just look at from from an outside perspective from a not hockey not ice hockey uh follower perspective i just look at like the moves that chuck fletcher has made so far and i'm like eh, like I, I, there, there's nothing that like moves the needle for me like, should I be excited about any anything that's like Kevin Hayes doesn't move the needle for me. Um, there's Matt, there's nothing Matt to be Niskanen excited about. doesn't move the needle for me. Does um, Justin? Don't call me Ryan Braun. Does Ryan does Hartman for, for Tyler Pitlick move the needle for anybody? Yeah, it's a blockbuster, Kevin. Well, that was funny. Blockbuster. I gotta say, blockbuster. Listen, Flyers fans who are listening, I love y'all. I really do. I love y'all because um, you're white trash, just like I am. Uh, and Russ too, because he's from Scuba <laughs> County. White trash needs to stick together. <laughs> that is just, geez, but know. like uh, you guys are terrible at detecting uh, like satire. We do a lot of satire on the site, you know. Like it's facetious. We're not being totally serious, right? So when there's a when a like a third line or fourth line dude is trade for another third line or fourth line dude, and I write blockbuster in capital letters uh, to start off the post. It's satire. It's sarcasm. I I'm not being serious. Flyers fans, I love y'all, but you got to stop taking everything at, at face value. <laughs> Why it's like, you know, it's it's always the like the thing that's like right in front of everybody's face. Like blockbuster. What do you mean yep. blockbuster? This isn't a blockbuster. Yeah, no fucking shit. It's a joke. Do you even know who Ryan Hartman is, man? Do you even know? Like, well, and the other thing too is, and I and I love y'all for this. Is like people say, well, you, you, let's do more on ice hockey. Let's do more on hockey. And then I write something about hockey. And then half the comments are like, Kinker, you don't fucking know anything about hockey. Shut your fat fucking face, blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm like, I don't think it's that fat. No, it's not. I think my face is kind of thin, actually. Um, Even though your life is over with a it child. Is, yeah. Even though my life was over today, I managed to um, get in the gym a little bit. I managed to get six stories up on the site. We actually had a high traffic alert on Crossing Ooh. Broad today. Um, Ooh. I have a baby at home. It's the summer. I'm trying to like relax and chill. I got a high traffic alert. On crossing uh, was the high traffic? It was. It was because of the Brian Elliott signing, so right? Because I did the post yeah. about. I did the post about Brian Elliott signing to a one-year, two million dollar deal with the your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers over Cam Talbot, who the team had brought in mid-season as part of the uh, trade for Stoli, the goalie. Yeah. Talbot, of course, has worked so out the last few off seasons are... with Carter Hart, and they re-signed Brian Elliott. I really don't give a high traffic alert. Well, you should, Charles. You should. Um, but you know what I'm saying, Russ. Like, I, I don't I, like. I don't know if I if I was expecting like anything amazing from Chuck Fletcher, but I, I like. Uh, do you know that that meme that people use on Twitter, the Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he's sort of like making this like, eh, you know, kind of kind of face like he's not really sure. Boom, boom, boom. See, I would have that queued up, but I, I fried my phone today, oh, really? so I don't have uh, yeah, I'll I, leave you. I took a video I have... video underwater in the pool, and oh. Uh, oh. Galaxy S7 is supposed to be water-resistant. It, uh, it was not. <laughs> so I'll leave you with this, okay. uh, my final flyer's point. This is from Micah McCurdy, who did a graph of tired and rested games for 2019-2020. The most favorable rest schedule is Carolina with eight more games playing rested against tired opponents. The worst is the Flyers who will play tired against rested opponents eight times more than vice versa. Good. So the NHL and Gary Bettman, the worst commissioner in sports, that they obviously hate. I think our takeaway is that they obviously hate the Philadelphia Flyers, right? They do. You didn't see what uh what Bettman did at the NHL draft, I'm assuming. So they're they're in Vancouver, they bring out the Sedin twins. Um, he comes out first, they boo him, and they he's like, Hold on a second. He walks off stage, brings out the Sedins, then everybody cheers, and he's like, I thought you'd like that. And then he goes back to talking and they booed him. And you could just <laughs> see that like he didn't expect that. He definitely thought that like the Vancouver fans oh, were gonna kind of soften up on him because he brought the Sedins out. Then the Sedins start talking and they do like the uh, the highlight reel and they talk about how their their jerseys are gonna be retired yeah. this season. And uh, everybody starts cheering again and then Bettman comes back and they're like, Boo, you suck and he's like, You know what? You wanna keep it going. Well, uh, I, they, I I can keep it going yeah, I mean, too. What would Bettman, like, e- Bettman expect from a from a fan base that t- tore its own city to shreds after they wow. lost, you know? They're animals. Wow. Animals up in Vancouver. It's a shame when you see so many Philadelphia fans travel to other <laughs> cities to go tear up the cities. <laughs> I mean, while the poor Vancouver just... fans are sitting in their <laughs> pristine mountain cabins. You just hate to see it, you know. I mean, listen, you British, uh, you know, you British Columbia is nice, but it's it's no South Philly, that's for sure. It's no South American it's Columbia, no Port let Richmond, me tell you. you know. They don't have the coffee. Vancouver is anyway. nice, but it's no Bridesburg, I'm telling you that. Wow. It's no Pottsville. Wow. Do you have any more Flyers um, <laughs> point? I, I think it's weird no, that they do that. Here, here's my final final Flyers point. They go play in Prague to open yeah, the season. To right? start the season. Then they have like yeah. don't they have like four ga- four days off or something when they come back from? Yeah, the- let me pull it up. On let me get and, the. I'll get and the then they play the home opener against 
five days. Five days. Sorry, off. yeah, five and days. They play the home yeah. opener against PK Subban and the New Jersey Devils, right? PK Subban, who, by the way, Jersey got for nothing. Now, granted, Subban is going to count nine million against the mm-hmm. cap, and he's probably on a downward trend. But they, the Flyers, could not go after him because of one of the assistant coaches they hired, Michelle Terrian. There's a uh, yeah, there's a, they, they a lengthy like history other, there. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Well, that's anyway, good. continue. And then they have like four days off, and then they go out on that like three game Canadia road trip, right? Where it's uh, <laughs> Canadian Edmonton, Cal uh, Calgary, as Barry Melrose would say, Calgary. And, and they Vancouver. play a back to back. They play they so they they go out on a nine day. It's not a nine game trip. It's a nine day road trip to Western Canada. They only play three games in those nine days, and two of them are on a back-to-back. Yep. So they play the twelfth, the twelfth at Vancouver. It's one of the ten o'clock games. They <laughs> then uh, three days later they play at Calgary, and the next night they're at Edmonton. I don't, I don't get it, dude. What the hell? Honestly, that's a All lot. Right, let's get it back to the. Uh, let's get it back to the Phillies. Are they winning right now? Are they beat right. the Mets. I don't know. Um, Gabe Kapler, by the way, got ejected twice this season after not getting ejected last season. So, well, so what? Phillies so are in a really good now, spot. He, no, that's actually a good. That segues me perfectly into: uh, is Kapler just play acting to the Philadelphia f- f- four for four tough guy fan here, the Angelo Cataldi's of the world, or 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 was that uh, like was that genuine? Was that organic from him? Um, I think it's mostly fabricated and i think it was to uh to impress one of the uh the newer writers surrounding the the team covering the team this year at home games uh he writes for crossing broad broad his name is bob <clears throat> sorry let me let me say that again his name is bob i don't i can't say it he, he's b w crossing broad on twitter he won't use his real name on twitter because he's a coward anyway he's joining the show uh, right now th- bob Oh, what's going on, Kevin? Uh, that's horrible. Anyway, um, this is <laughs> that is a terrible, Bob. <laughs> Listen, man. Here's the thing about Bob. Bob's getting married this week, so uh, his you life know, let's, is about let's ring to be the over. Hashtag ring the Did bell. Did you see the advice um, that I gave Bob on Slack today about getting married? Go ahead, tell people. I said, uh, and this advice applies to anybody in any kind of relationship. Um, it's whatever kind of relationship you're in. It could be of uh, you could be a man marrying a woman. You could be a woman marrying a man. This could be a same-sex marriage or a relationship. Whoever your partner is, whoever your your significant other is, draw a line early in the relationship. Set your boundaries and do not let them fucking overstep it. Because once you give an inch, uh, how does the rest of the saying go? What do they take if you give them an inch? They take, they take a, a mile. mile. Come on, man. You got to like shut that shit down before it gets out of control. So I said, Bob, you got to establish boundaries here. Um, Don't let, don't let your fiance uh, cross that line and you'll be a happy, happy person. You know, did you set those boundaries with your daughter when she was born? Um, Well, she's two months old. So, yeah. Well, it's never too early to start. Well, she's the guy. Is she? Oh, no, I did it in the wrong voice. I did it in the woman's voice, not the guy's voice. Yes, you did. Oh, she's a girl. So. What did we do the last? What did we do the last time? It was uh, Bernie Sanders. It was Bernie <laughs> and Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, we did. We did the entire Jake from State Farm commercial as 
Bernie, Bernie Sanders, uh, Gilbert Gottfried, and um, and some. Oh yeah, Jake was Bernie. Else. Jake was Bernie, and uh, and the guy was Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> was we got a re rack with the, We got we got it. We got a re rack. Hold on a second. Oh my god. Uh. Nah, never mind. I was gonna do a Brett Brown. I won't do yeah. it. Oh, it could have been Brett Brown and Joel Embiid. All right, cue it up. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Uh, you know, I'm just wearing uh khakis with a size uh 47 waistband, and they have a little bit of uh acid wash on them. Well, she sounds hideous. Well, that's a seven-foot center that we are building our program around. And we love Joel, and we appreciate everything he's brought. Hashtag run it back. I I hear your question. I hear you, and I respect the question. I know you know the answer. (laughs) That's pretty good. Since the Democratic debate is tight, can we get a a Bernie Sanders before we... um and we're not ready to close this thing down yet, but before we're not we ready close to close the show. Okay. So listen, Angelo um, said last uh, Angelo Angelo Qatar Qatar what does it say? Angelo Cataldi said, uh, "Oh, that might have been the third person in the skit. Was it Angelo? Who? Um, I don't know. I don't Gilbert know. Gottfried and Bernie Sanders. I can't remember. He said sure. it's official. Gabe Kapler should be fired." That's right. Wow. He was a regular guest on our show, but that's how I feel. There should be no tolerance for laziness in players from any Philadelphia team. Gene Segura should have been benched. He wasn't, so now Kapler needs to go. Um, and, of course, he did not get fired. Matt Klintak actually came out the other day and said that Gabe Kapler's going nowhere. And so it came up again uh, this morning, actually, in the interview that they did, the weekly interview on WIP and Kapler actually gave like a very long and nuanced answer about like hustle. And he said, uh, he's not really like, he said, punishment doesn't teach emotional control during our most challenging times. And punishment doesn't ensure that we're going to see foul or fair better with more accuracy. You know, it's a minute of emotional release for fans. Um, but not for the clubhouse who continues to see the effort, that Cesar Hernandez has brought for years and the hustle from Gene. And I don't want to let those clubhouse guys down. So here's my thing, Russ. I think, I think Kapler knows that fans want to see some kind of emotion. If they're not going to see accountability or like benching of these dudes, they want to see some kind of emotion, some kind of like, we give a shit, right? So Kapler's histrionics getting himself ejected. That's the, we give a shit and kind of taking it away from the fact that he's look, he's just not going to bench these dudes. It's just not in his, his DNA. It's not, it's not what he is, you know. Can I just say, I, I don't get baseball. I need to understand something. Baseball players will go up to the plate roughly, what, 500 times in a season? Mm-hmm. Uh, why does it feel like baseball is the only sport where people consistently have to call out somebody on their team for not hustling? Like, you go up to do a job 500 times over 100... 62 games in a season why is it so hard to run it out all 500 times like some of those times you're even gonna walk you don't even have to run all that much but like you make contact with a ball run 
What's so hard? How many times do you have to sit back and say like, oh, that guy didn't, he didn't really bust it on that route. No, I agree with for Carson. Yeah, Wentz. I agree with that. How many, yeah. how many times do you have to be like, oh, well, you know what? JJ Reddick's really loafing down the court. You know, Brett Brown should really bench him. That doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's, does, it's easier that, to justify. Does that happen like once, once every three games? You don't see that with the Flyers. It's not like, oh, you know, well, I mean, it does happen. But, like, you don't hear the pundits often say, oh, you know, why is uh, Claude Giroux kind of loafing it back on that uh, on that odd man rush? It feels like baseball is the one sport where it constantly seems it's just to obvious. It's more obvious when it happens. You know, like when I Deshaun guess. Jackson takes a play off because there's a, you know, off-tackle run to the weak side of the field. Uh, and he barely pushes the dude or acts like he's blocking. That you, it, that's not going to be as noticeable as Segura not running out of pop-up after falling and Andrew McCutcheon getting caught in a rundown and tearing his ACL. You know what I mean? Same with basketball where you know you might run a spread pick and roll with two dudes and then one dude stands in the corner and catches his breath. You know, like that shit just happens in other sports. I get it, but it's more obvious in baseball and it's, it's less justifiable in baseball because – Half the time they're standing around, you know, doing nothing. And then defensively, so. like, how often are you really engaged in what's No, for sure, for sure. Play. But it wasn't, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Ichiro, like, continually, like, stretch throughout the game because he knew that those periods of, like, um, inactivity of in the outfield or, like, sitting in the dugout or whatever, when you butt those up against, you know, hitting a ball or bunting a ball and then busting into a full sprint down the line, those are how you get injured more often than not. So it's yeah. not necessarily about the burst out of the box it's about going from cool to hot to cool to hot in terms of like how you're running whereas a a sport like basketball soccer football they have breaks but you're perpetually more in motion than those so it's easier to to stay warmed up it's not like you're cooling down and your muscles are relaxing and all of a sudden you're turning it back up to 90 again and you're 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 uh you know forcing an injury or forcing stress on your muscles you know i mean it's it's baseball is different uh from a physiological standpoint in that regard you see what yep. I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I got you. Uh, I what it. else do we have written down here? Um, oh, I just wanted to mention just the NBA schedule thing uh, real quick because we already did all the NBA stuff. But they were ex- exploring this idea of doing like the in-season cup competition, which I think is stupid. Um, but but what, but as, oh. a, as a like part two of that, in order to accommodate that, they would have to shorten the schedule. I like shortening the schedule anyway. Um. And hear me yep. out. My idea was I actually like expanding the NBA to 34 or 36 teams. You play every other team home and away. You cut the season down to 68 or 70 games. Um, people say, well, there's, you're diluting the talent. There's not enough talent to go around. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's just the talent's too clumped up on certain teams as it is. Um, I think there's enough talent to go around. I think it's not being dispersed or distributed properly. Um, but I, we, we don't need four fucking games against the Charlotte Hornets every year. You know, I'd like to see home and away, home and away with every team play 70 games because what's the point if you have all these back-to-backs where, you know, Joel Embiid and Kawhi Leonard ain't playing anyway, you know? I like the idea of going to 72. If you do 72, you play a home and home with every team in the league plus an extra game against every team mm-hmm. in your conference. And I would say the same for the NHL, too. Um, I would apply yeah, this to I, the like, NHL. I, I would love for them. They, they would, this would never happen. It's not like the, the leagues would ever work together. But as a sports fan, I can say I would watch infinitely more Flyers games if the NBA was played on like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and NHL played Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or something like that. They were they, they weren't bumping into each other all the time. Um, I agree. I hate. I absolutely hate it. 
when the Flyers and Sixers both play mm-hmm. at seven. Mm-hmm. It makes my life very mm-hmm. complicated, and I don't yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I get it. Um, so I would do that. Yeah, I would do that for both the leagues, you know. Um, back to back. There's just as no somebody points, who likes points to follow, back-to-backs, you know. Like, as somebody who likes to follow both the Flyers and the Sixers, it's always frustrating to find, like, so many nights where it feels like they both play at the same exact mm-hmm. time, and then there's, like, a two, three-day period where neither team plays. Yeah, You're just like, if yeah. only we could figure this know, it's out. Like feast or if famine. only we could yeah, balance this better. It's like Feast or better. Famine, dude. I mean, I don't know how many times this year you had something like, oh, the Sixers beat, like, uh, you know, tough win over, like, the Pacers on a Friday night. And everybody's, like, all riding high, and then you've barely even recovered. And then before you know it, they're, like, in Memphis on a fucking Saturday night in November where you're not really interested, you know? And yep. Joel Embiid's not playing. You know, and they lose yep. by, like, five points or something. So you're only hurt. I know they're saying, well, you know, we need money. You know, we're losing money. We don't have as many butts and seats. You know, sports gambling. Obviously, it's important to play as many games as you can. But like, what's is is that more important than like your stars aren't playing anyway? So like, what the fuck do you want? Um, what other topics do we have written down on here? I think that was it. We do have some questions and comments and stuff. I just wanted to mention real quick. UConn is going back into the Big East where they belong. Um, Ooh. I hated conference realignment more than anybody especially because it affected my school i mean we ended up in a good situation but uh, uh competitively but not geographically we're all the way the fuck over here and the big 12 is all the way the fuck over there um and the big east is just the big east was the was the best big east when it was villanova georgetown syracuse pittsburgh yukon west virginia um you know that mix of of basketball and football schools where it was just a juggernaut from like 2006 ish to like 2012. Um, I know it wasn't sustainable. I know the basketball schools had needs that were not being met by the football schools. And that whole thing was destined to fail eventually. Uh, I know the big East is really good now with, with Creighton in there, with Xavier in there, um, you know, with Butler in there, although Creighton of course is not an Eastern school. Um, but I don't want to hear anybody tell me that the Big East is just as good now as it was back then because it wasn't. All you got to do is look at what Villanova did, you know, before all the good teams left. Sorry, Kyle. Sorry, other people. Um, all you got to do is look at, like, what Seton Hall and St. John's and some of those teams were when, when Pitt and UConn and, and Syracuse were still in the conference. But I don't know. I don't think this is what's happening, but I would love for this to kind of be like a tip of the iceberg and, like, kind of – realigning all the conferences the way they should have been in the first place. But again, that's a money thing more than anything too. So, um, but I just, I just thought it was, it made sense. It made me, it made me feel fuzzy to see UConn, UConn, you UConn back where they belong. You know, I would like to be back where we belong too. Mm. I think it's a good mm-hmm. spot. Uh, Anything else? Uh, questions and comments. Let's get to them. Let's see what everybody right. wanted to say. Um, blah, blah, blah. Let me find, uh, where are the actual... I can never find anything on Twitter. I'm horrible at it. Uh, my tweets, not the mentions. Um, okay, so uh, Jeffrey Wool, Investor Jeff, wants to know if you would support a 70% individual marginal tax rate. I have no idea what that means, but no. Uh, is that like taxing the rich? Are we taxing the rich here? Are they going to pay for all the shit? Um, I'll take a mulligan on that one. That doesn't sound like a good idea. That sounds to me like trumped up trickle down economics. Uh, Sam at Salt Monster said he has a he has a comment. 
Uh, I appreciate you guys not getting oversaturated with meaningless Eagles stuff during the summer. Keep up the good work. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Hey, hey. Uh, his question is, am I crazy for thinking the Sixers will be okay if they don't re-sign both Toby and Jimmy? Wow. No, you're not uh, crazy. I just don't know. I don't know what plan B is. You know what I mean? That's plan D. That that is like plan if they don't D, if they don't get e. both of them, yes, that's plan. No, if they don't F. get either, because that that makes it sound like yeah, that makes it sound like if they don't get either. I also asked people if they had a any beef that they wanted to share, and uh, he says Wellington, beef Wellington. Touch that! Just touch that! It's cold on the inside. It's raw. You can kill someone with that. I saw a um commercial or something where gordon ramsey was holding his hands over somebody's a contestant's like ears or something yeah what does he do yeah, yeah. top chef no um no no hell's, hell's kitchen, kitchen. Yeah. and he was like holding his he hands gets, over somebody's ears saying you're so stupid with, or with like, two pieces of bread <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well he's got he's got the one he's got the one where he grabs a slice of bread in each hand and puts it around this woman's <laughs> head and he goes what are you she goes an idiot sandwich he goes yes get out piss off <laughs> that's it that's what you have to name um this episode an idiot an idiot you're an idi- sandwich you, you're an no idiot just an sandwich. idiot an okay. idiot sandwich oh an, an idiot sandwich okay um it's me and you we're the bread and the idiot are the commenters on most <laughs> products. chris jeshrems bishki says uh garnet valley lacrosse is garbage uh, Man on says, "How has Chuck Fletcher, uh, Chuck Fletcher, managed to gore the Flyers despite only being general manager for like five minutes? Uh, and isn't there a single person in the organization to just say no?" This is the problem. They entered this offseason with a ton of cap space, a Trevor Trove of assets in the minor league, and fans, I think, thought they were going to be big players in free agency, and they're not going to be because they are they are now pretty much cap restricted. The amount of cap that they have left, if you base the remaining three RFAs out there and give them decent value in Ivan Provorov, Travis Konechny, and Scott Lawton, uh, you're probably going to have about $4 million left. So unless there's a trade coming, which there could be, maybe there is, to clear some cap space and to make an RFA offer sheet to a, a big star, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's why people feel like it's uh, it's bad. That's all we really had. We had another question about the Sixers, um, but we... Um we did talk about that earlier. There's one here. Yeah. Do you trust Brandon, the ownership and free agency? Um, we answered Bob Sharp's question yeah. Thanks, about Bob. Thanks for the, question. the opinion, the opinion there. Two one five pick says do it in Spanish. Oh, that's uh, Does he mean like do no, the whole that's podcast. Dan. He's um, uh, I played soccer with him year after year. I think that was a, um, a Beto O'Rourke joke. Cause didn't Beto like, op- didn't he, um, I wasn't watching the debate, but I guess he answered a question in Spanish or something. I saw Booker apparently did too. Um, here, let's go Google Translate. See, Pues entonces voy a contestar la pregunta en español. Yeah, see, uh, no hablo mucho español, uh, pero trabajo con los jugadores de Philadelphia Union por uh, siete o ocho años. Sí. Trabajé. Sorry. Yeah, because you you don't know anymore. Oh, I worked. I worked. Okay, I worked. I mean, you could have said trabajaba. I used okay. to work, but whatever. Hey, live your life. Yeah. The the nuances of the preterite and imperfect tenses are not something yeah. that we need to get in here. My Spanish on, is Philadelphia's not only seven for seven. I, I gotta uh, be honest, Russ. I was surprised that you didn't really have an Andy Reid uh, comment. 
About what? I don't know. Like, like you an, literally said nothing an, about it. it. Well, I mean, I I said a I said a thing that could have been a fat joke as we were uh, getting done, and I I felt really bad about it, and I didn't mean it to be a fat joke, but I thought about it as as it was ending. I don't have much to so say. We I talked, just, we, look, I I think that guy that guy was was not very nice about Andy Reid, and you should just we let talked, the man alone. We uh, talked Phillies. We talked Flyers. We talked Sixers. Uh, we talked. We talked kind of kind Eagles. Of Eagles. Um, training camp starts on the tw- uh, one month from now. Today is the twenty sixth. Training camp starts on the twenty fifth, um, or the twenty. Yeah. They report on the twenty fourth, and it starts on the twenty fifth. Um, we mentioned that the union drew tonight, so that's five sports. Did we do a sixth sport? Did we touch on a sixth sport? The soul? Did, are the soul playing right now? Well, here. So here's the thing: the Philadelphia Soul right now, as of uh, June. 26 the soul are currently three and two mm. so that's uh that's worth keeping an eye on by the way we thought for a while that the uh the arena football league was down to uh to four teams turns out they're they're up to six now yeah they added the, uh, uh well at the atlantic city blackjacks you're telling so listen your the philadelphia soul the philadelphia soul are currently in the middle of uh of the arena football league the albany empire mm. Are eight and one. The Washington Valor, Philadelphia Soul, and Baltimore Brigade are five and four. Atlantic City Blackjacks are three and six, and the Columbus Destroyers are one mm. and eight. Well, there you have it. Any fusion news? Uh, I thought we had a Carpe question. Did I see that on your? Um... I I think yeah. we did. It was uh, any thoughts on what his kill to death ratio? Probably like is. infinite, infinity. Although I don't think he had a good season last year, did he? Somebody was trying to explain to me the fusion. Did we talk about this on a podcast previously? But like the the fusion, did, yeah. like meta or whatever. Did we talk about the meta? I guess what happens is like in video games, you have certain uh, like patches and stuff like that where they make tweaks to the game, and like this character might like like he used to shoot rock like five rockets at a time, and now he only shoots like four rockets. You know, because five rockets yeah. was too powerful. So what happens if you were the esports player who played five Rocket Man? You know, like do you play four Rocket Man or do you play a different character now? So like my understanding was that Carpe was better with a character that got like nerfed or something, or like the wow. theme of the okay. th- like the um, this patch or the current like iteration of Overwatch was not favorable to the unions, the unions, the fusions. Uh, strategy or something like that you know but uh i also yeah. the um, overwatch like world fucking finals or something is coming to the uh wells fargo center yeah yep when's that that's uh that's, that's like this summer that's coming up soon isn't it yeah Maybe we could be live I have a trivia question location. for you Ooh, live pod but the big story on action I news like is your town your team your philadelphia fusion and carpe i'm Jim uh, here's Gardner. a question for you trivia Here's uh here's trivia on our way out as a seven for seven podcast. Uh, in all of their seasons, let's go with the average I'm attendance. How many people? How many people on average attended Philadelphia Kicks games from 1996 to 2010? Uh, like four thousand, five thousand, six thousand eighty. What was the final win percentage of the Philadelphia Kicks overall? They played, just to give you an idea, they played 487 total games in the regular season. What was their regular season win percentage? 590. 544. Okay. There you go. How about postseason? They played 35 games. 
um, five twenty-five. Ooh, four twenty-nine. They weren't good in the playoffs. Huh? You weren't. You weren't so. Uh, you weren't so off on that. They did win the championship, by the way, over the ignition in two thousand six, two thousand seven, mm. and they won the championship over Wave in two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay. Um, so there you go. Well, there you have it. Um, what else did we do? Oh, I did the hot takes article, but that was like three weeks ago. Um, I was going to share yeah. some of those. That's kind of old. Just been pumping out know, content, you know, a lot of content yeah. on crossingbroad.com. I know. Um, I feel. Why don't you plug your, uh, you plug your live show? Oh yeah. We're doing a live, you a live yeah, show coming up. Live always soccer in Philadelphia, uh, program from the Larimer beer company, uh, in Chester, Pennsylvania, walking distance from Talon Energy Stadium on July 20th. Uh, Matt and Darren uh, are, are the guys opening the brewery down there. It's almost done. It should be open 4th of July weekend. So two weeks after that, on July 20th, we're doing a live podcast at 5 o'clock before the uh, Chicago and Union game. It'll be a lot of fun. Come check out the podcast. There'll be uh, new beers there to try from uh, the Larimer and uh, – yeah, it should be a good time, man. It's like well, it's literally like maybe a hundred yards from the stadium. Like you can literally wow. see the stadium from <laughs> from the from the brewage. You can literally, I can, can literally, literally see it. Have a go, mate. Literally. Yeah. So, um, can I just say really quick on our on our way out here, Tommy Smith? After uh, do we have a Tommy Smith segment here on the have, on the podcast about? Uh, I'm gonna get in trouble. Oh God, listening to Tommy Smith as he's talking about why is it that the Philadelphia Union are are finding themselves... It looks It looks as if they're trying to play for the draw here. I don't understand it. Well, Tommy, maybe it's because they were busting their ass for the whole second half, trying to take it to the revs nonstop. Maybe at some point you get a little bit tired and you're happy to take the point on the road. Maybe that's why, Tommy. I don't know. I believe you get your ass kicked saying so much. Well, let me tell you. I was once standing at a Talon Energy Stadium bathroom... And I was standing at a urinal. I was relieving myself. And Tommy Smith came into the bathroom, cursing up and down about a player. I won't say which player, but it may or may not have been Fafa Pico. Faffer. And he Faffer. wasn't too happy. He wasn't He wasn't too happy about Faffer. Let me ask you a question. Not too why do, happy. Why do Irish people always say... Um, We've said this so many times. No, we said this, this, on, the other, no, this was on the other podcast. This is on Always Soccer. Oh, okay. um, why is okay. it that Irish people cannot pronounce a TH sound? A yeah, TH like sound? um, like Thursday, oh, like, one, two, like three. Thursday. They say Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> oh, Thursday. Well, the Brits. There are certain like Brit accents where they do the F, where it's like first. Like, I'm go- yeah, I'm going on Thursday. Yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, I know what you're saying though. No, yeah. I like the reason, Kevin. The reason that the Irish cannot say it, and I hate to bring it up, but the Irish. They are part of the general area of the United Kingdom, but they like to remain separate and independent. And then Ireland has North Ireland, much as Africa has South Africa, and they don't understand or like each other. Maybe Ireland should take some of their money and give it to England. Hashtag Brexit. You know, I gotta say... um, the Brits always seem to find it crazy that Americans don't understand all of the different like shit over there, like which country is part of what, you know? Um, but it's really not, it really doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Because you have the United Kingdom, 
which is England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. And then Ireland, or um, I'm sorry, England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. Ireland is not part of the UK. And then you have all the individual five countries of the British Isles, right? And then you have Great Britain, which is England, Scotland, and I guess Wales, right? So why the fuck? And Concacaf. Fu- so why the fuck are there like four different things anyway? They think it's so obvious, but like if you're an Everybody American. Everybody needs a designation. Yeah, if you're an American, like why the fuck would, would I know anything about that? And like I'm a geography person. Like I get it. But like your average American is going to go over there and like not really understand what the fuck the difference between the UK and well, Great Britain and all the individual countries. Like what the fuck is it, you know? Well, you know what? I, I just thought of it. Like how about New England? They're also part of the Northeast, and some would argue that they're part of the Atlantic, right? Yeah. So, like, if you're Connecticut, you're technically part of three different. But you go to London, like you're an Amer- you're an American States. tourist. You fly to London, okay? Yeah. Do you tell people I'm going to England, or do you say I'm going to the United Kingdom? Oh, I say, uh, uh, I say I'm, I'm going to, to England, to United, mate. I'm go no, I say, no, I say I'm going to United Kingdom, right? Because like England. Here's the thing. England's got like an old lady living in a castle, yeah, and I don't, I don't know why, uh, why I should like limit it there, yeah, because like, I could always take like a little pole jumper, yeah, like a little little uh, Ryan Ryanair, whatever it is, jet blue, and like go another country. So I'm not, I'm not going to limit myself to just to just like England, yeah. I don't need that. I don't need it. I don't know. I don't really get it. Um, when I was over there, I asked somebody to explain it. I said, like, why do you guys get to play? Why do you play? Why do you play <laughs> as England? I'm going to bring it all back to sports. Right? It's going to make sense. Why do you guys play as England in soccer? But like in the Olympics, like Andy Murray, who's Scottish, is playing for Great Britain or has a Brit- like a Great Britain flag on his fucking thing, you know? You were like Michael Scott saying to Toby, why are you the way you are? That was your question. Well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, For Russ, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening um, to Philadelphia's only 7 for 7 sports podcast. I think this is the part of the show now where Russ just does all his promo stuff, right? No, I I already did it. I did in the beginning of the show. I said all the different places yeah. that people can find the show. And uh, go check the description of the episode. All of the links to the other shows in the Crossing Broad Podcast Network are there. That is all. We'll talk to you again next week.